Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. Today is special because we are actually all together this morning. Uh, Glory Hills is joining us uh, for the message today. So we're thankful for our Glory Hills location. Come on, give it up. Saints Church Glory Hills, we love you. We love you. We love you. Don't worry. Online, we love you too. So we got Glastonbury in the house. We got Glory Hills. We got online. We're all in this together. And this is where we're going to start is in Psalm 127. So if you have a paper Bible today uh, and you're like, I can't read it. We know we need to fix the lights. But Psalm 127, Psalm 127, that's where we are getting started today. It says this, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Come on. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. Will do no good. Unless the Lord builds the house. You know, we didn't actually plan it to be like this today where I was here, sitting here, and we're connected with Glory Hills. We actually planned it that that Desiree was going to speak here today, and I was going to be at Glory Hills, and I was going to share this message this week at Glory Hills and next week here at Glastonbury and do it over uh, uh, two weeks, and and then Des got sick, and so we're just going to do what we've done over the last number of years. We're just going to pivot, right? We're just going to change, and because of technology, we can all be tied together, and we could do this, but I really feel like... uh, Not that the Lord planned anyone to be sick, but this is exactly how he wanted this message to be shared. That it could be shared with us together uh, across locations through the power of technology. That we could receive this word at the same time. And today I'm just going to ask you, I mean, you always do this. We we love our church family, but I'm going to ask you today to really purposefully lean in. And what do I mean by lean in? I mean, lean in, like get ready to receive, get ready for, for what we're going to share, because really, I just want to share my heart with you uh, about our church, the direction of our church. We're just called, imagine this, we just simply called today's message, The Saints Family. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about The Saints Family. I'm also going to encourage you, I know we got some voracious note takers who I sometimes talk too fast, and they're like, I can't keep up with you. That's why we've got the things on the screen. I'm going to invite everybody. And if you don't have paper, get out your phone, open the notes function. I know that you all have a phone that has a notes function because it's simply on every phone that exists. So get it out, take some notes, write some things down. How do I take notes in church? I write down the Bible verses and I write down the major points. Those will show up on the screen. So for anyone who's just beginning their journey and taking notes in church, just write down the things that are on the screen, okay? That's going to help you out. You don't have to write the whole verse, just what I call the address, okay? You read the address, and then you can go read it later, because today uh, I'm going to move through a whole bunch of Scripture, and as we move through the Scripture, I'm not going to read all of the Scripture. I'm just going to leave it there for you to pick it up and read throughout the week. So as you're thinking about what was shared today and what God is doing, that it doesn't just last for 30 minutes on a Sunday, but that carries on throughout the week. Amen? Amen, by the way, is just a way of saying I agree. It's just, it's just an old translated word that we use in church culture that is just me saying uh, I agree. So when I say amen, and then you say amen, it goes, I agree. And you go, yeah, I agree. That, that's all that we're doing here today. So Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. The reality is we have been on a journey as a church, as a church family, really since 2019. 
And what we thought we were doing in 2019 is we thought we were creating a blended family. We have these two locations. Desiree and I become senior pastors here at which was Weka, now St. Church, Glastonbury. And we thought we're bringing two families together. There was some popular language at the time, one church, many locations. We thought that that's what we were doing. We thought that that's what we were accomplishing. But here's what I've realized. We are not one church in many locations. What we're doing is we are building a family of churches. We're building a family of churches. Each family has its own uniqueness and there is a diversity to it because of the context, because of, of, of where it's located, because of where we are. We're building a family of churches, but more importantly, the Lord is building his house. The Lord is building his house. Now, with any good building plan, there is always a plan, there's always a structure. I want us to go to the book of Ephesians. We're gonna move through the back half, the last three books, or sorry, three chapters of the book of Ephesians. And what we see as we zoom out on scripture is that there is a divine plan, strategy, and structure, not only for our lives, uh, but on, on a micro level, but for all of us on a macro level as a church. So what we find first in Ephesians 4 and 11 and 12, it goes that now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip. Turn to somebody and say, equip. Equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So that's the beginning of the structure. There is a family structure. Here at St. Church, we have a family structure. It's structured and based upon the word of God. Ephesians 4 says it starts with these gifts that God gave to the church, which is the fivefold ministry gifts. And then it shifts from the fivefold ministry gifts whose role is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry to the individual. In Ephesians 5, verse 1, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. If you fast forward to verses 15 and 20, which I'm not gonna be on the screen, but this is a great time to take notes, Ephesians 5, verse 15 to 20, he actually starts talking then about the spirit-led life that the way that we are supposed to live in the highest way that you and I can function is not only by inviting Jesus in our heart, by living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. So there's a structure in place. It starts with this church leadership, and then it moves to the individual. The individual is to lead a life that is full of the Spirit. And then Paul shifts gears, and he starts talking about marriage. You're like, that kind of seems weird. No, we'll get it in a second. And he says this about marriage. And this is really the most important marriage Bible verse that, that could be shared because often we skip to the next section, but we skip to the next section without this context. So this is Ephesians 5.21. Are you still with me this morning? Ephesians 5.21, and he says, and further, submit, this is speaking to husbands and wives, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. That's where he starts. And we talk about gender roles. And we talk about all those different things. We talk about the structure, the biblical structure of marriage. It starts, that passage starts with submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Let's go to verse 28 of Ephesians 5. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. 
No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. We are members of his body. So as we look at this structure, so this whole back half of Ephesians is talking about a structure for a life of victoriously following Jesus. It starts with the church, moves into our responsibility as an individual to follow Jesus, give him every part, living our life as a pleasing aroma, or as that's language that means that every moment that I live is an act of worship. He then talks about our marriages. And he talks about the family in the next chapter over Ephesians 6. So we're already looking at Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6. It says this in Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for it is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Did you get that? This is the first commandment with a promise. If you're underlining in your Bible, underline that phrase. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and, father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will live a long life on the earth. And then it flips it back on the parental responsibility, because we're talking about the family. And it says this, fathers, you know, Father's Day is next week. So maybe I'll just preach on this one verse. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Single parent households, let's just say parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. You ever wonder what that verse means? Like, I treat my kids great. How would I be promote, like, provoking them to anger? We simply provoke our children to anger by telling them to live one way and then doing something different. And I think the reason that he talks to dads is because dads, fathers, you're supposed to be the spiritual leader of your household. You say, yeah, go to church, go to youth group, participate in those things. And then you're like, I'm going to stay home because it's NFL season now. <laughs> we can say that because it's playoffs and NFL's over, so no one feels that attack. You're like, I'm here, pastor. Yeah, until September. <laughs> it says, if, if you're going to tell your children that this is important, then live like it's important. Otherwise, you're just going to frustrate them. You're going to say, you told me to do it this way. You told me this mattered. How come this doesn't matter to you? Trust me, that's a conversation you're not going to want to have. You told me this mattered. How come this doesn't matter to you? So there's a family structure. So let's just review this structure. It starts with the church. There's these gifts that God gave the church. Then there's the individual who's called to live a spirit-led life. Every moment is an act of worship. In marriage, we're talking about mutual submission to one another out of reverence to Christ. And as parents, as kids, we honor our father and mother, but as parents, we don't provoke our kids to wrath or to anger, it says in this translation by living a life that doesn't make sense to what we say. So why does this structure matter? Well, if you'd, if you'd notice at the very end of Ephesians chapter six, he goes, he then talks about work. <laughs> so if you're trying to figure out the priorities, because we follow Jesus with our whole heart as an individual, one of the mechanisms he's given us to do that is through the church. Then we move into our marriages. So it's marriage, then family. So Parents, if your kids are running the household, you're out of godly order. And then it talks about work after all those things. I didn't put those verses in here, but it talks about work. 
And you're like, I don't think it talks about work. My Bible says it talks about slaves and masters. Let's be honest, half of you think your boss is a slave driver anyways. So it gives you some instruction on, on, on how, to, how to work as, as a follower of Jesus. So there's a priority that starts to take place, right? Like there's this structure, there's this family structure that begins to emerge. And why is this family structure in place? And why are those things in that right order? Why is that the right alignment? Because at the end of Ephesians chapter six, we discover that all of a sudden, Paul just starts talking about spiritual warfare out of nowhere. He says there's gonna be lies and they're gonna come in like fiery arrows. The best way that we could translate that into the modern culture is that there's gonna be missiles being shot at you. Missiles being shot at you and your family and your kids and your church family. They're coming from every direction and we have a shield of faith that we can put up but there's a structure that gets us in order and gets us in line so that we are prepared to fight the good fight of faith to to lift up the name of Jesus and to make sure that he's prioritized in our families structures are matter because structures are the things that put us in place to allow us to be safe and protected but not only to be safe and protected against the attacks that are coming but to take ground as we move forward come on does somebody want to take ground for the kingdom of God we don't have to live responsive we don't have to live reactive we don't have to live in this way where okay well there's all this evil happening evil has always existed from the moment those angels decided to depart heaven it's been in the earth Things are getting worse by our standards, but truth is humanity is cyclical. The question for us is, are, are we gonna align our lives with the plans and purposes that God has for us for victorious living, or are we gonna try and figure it out on our own? I don't know about you, but if there's a playbook, I wanna run the playbook. I wanna run the strategy. I wanna be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, it might be, uh, it might be great for the family, but it's not often safe and fun for the whole family. Because it's a step of faith. We live by faith and not by sight, right? We take this step forward. Following Jesus is a courageous way to live because when you're responsive to his voice and your, your household is set up to be responsive to his voice, he's gonna ask you to do things. He's gonna call you things. And you say, I'm gonna call you forward. I'm gonna call you to go do this thing. I'm gonna call you to serve these people. I'm gonna call you to open up your home. I'm gonna call you to take in that child. I'm gonna call you to take care of the most vulnerable. I'm gonna call you. Will you listen to the sound of my voice? I don't know about you, but I want to be the type of person that when Jesus speaks, I answer. The Bible is filled with people with saying, God, would you speak to me? And I love the words of Samuel echoed out through the other prophets. Lord, here I am. Send me. Like, what does this have to do with the saints family? Well, we have a family structure, too. We have a family structure within the saints family. So we, right now we have two locations. We have Glastonbury and we have Glory Hills. Glastonbury is the ones you're sitting in right now. You're like, why did you name this place Saints Church Glastonbury? This neighborhood is called Glastonbury. <laughs> so we just named it after the neighborhood. Why did you call that other one out by Stony Plain and Spruce Grove? Glory Hills. Because that's the road that it's on. We're just super creative, right? We're just like, here's the geographical marker. That's what it's called. So we have two locations, Glastonbury. We have Glory Hills. We're tied together today by way of technology. And we've got one more on the way. We're expecting. St. Church Highlands, that's right. We're expecting St. Church Highlands. So let me just break down what this family structure looks like. Pastors Jeremy and Brandy. Now you hear Pastor Jeremy every once in a while. Every once in a while we switch and we swap and he comes here and I go there and we all get to keep our family tied together. Uh, pastors Jeremy and Brandy are the lead pastors of the Glory Hills location. So what does that mean? They lead all day-to-day -day operations of the church. 
everything. They, they, they lead the budgets, the team. They, they bring on the team. They recruit the team. They, they do all the pastoral care. They are amazing, but they also serve our greater saints family through preaching and teaching and through coaching and developing some of our team. I don't know if you know this, but if you ever wonder how come the preaching schedule is the way it is, it's because Pastor Jeremy makes it. So just email him. Because that's his gifting, and we're all on this same team together, and, he, and that's what he gets to do, and he gets to decide where we all go and how that's all going to work, and it's amazing. Desiree and I are the senior pastors of the Saints Church family, but we also lead or are lead pastors of the Glastonbury location. So we run all the day-to-day operations here at Glastonbury. So we are dual-rolled. We are both the senior pastors of the Saints family and lead pastors of Glastonbury. So historically in the church, there would be titles for this type of leadership, meaning uh, leadership that's more than one location, that, that's multiplied. Historically, there would be words like bishop or archbishop or apostle, but let's be honest, I'm not interested in any of those titles. I'm very happy uh, with, with senior pastor. In, in other ways, you could actually just say, you could call Desiree and I mom and dad to the saints family. Because it's our job just to set the vision, direction, strategy for the family to build, guide, and develop the culture and the team that builds the family. The truth is we like to keep the line very blurry between staff members and volunteers because it doesn't matter uh, whether you're full-time, part-time, or you serve full-time. We're all in this together and we're all a part of the family. We all get to do this together. It's an honor and a privilege for us to serve. We get to do this. We get to serve here. So now as we're about, we're expecting with Highlands, like what's wild is Pastor Jeremy and Brandy, I don't know if you know this at Glassbury, um, most of their kids are all like junior high, high school. They just had a brand new baby, Juno. She arrived, she's amazing, uh, but I'm so glad they had the brand new baby. <laughs> and Jer- Pastor Jeremy was like, you know, if you touch Juno, you're not gonna catch something. And I'm like, you don't know that. So... <laughs> But as Highlands, which is a brand new location on the east side of Edmonton, as that's beginning to come together, we're creating something new. This is actually the first time that Glastonbury and Glory Hills are strategically doing something together. So we're launching from St. Church Glory Hills because that's where the pop-ups originally started during COVID. And a pop-up is just a... is. There's a people that live in a neighborhood. They want to see the gospel reach in their neighborhood. They do a pop-up service in that neighborhood. We have people come out. They respond. We go, hey, this was a great idea to have a church over here. So Kevin and Melissa Herrera, who are here today somewhere. I don't know where they're sitting. Uh, over there, you know, probably need to sit close to the front, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> they're serving. It's okay. Kevin and Melissa Herrera uh, <laughs> are leading the launch team for Highlands. And so they're going to start they have started building an incredible team uh, around them to be the backbone infrastructure or the scaffolding people to come around and to build. Have you ever been like downtown somewhere and you see they put up this huge scaffolding and there's all this like hoarding and it covers up all the facade because they're doing the work on the outside so you can't see what's happening on the inside? That's what a launch team is. Uh, they, They come up, they build this whole infrastructure all around this church that's being built and then when the time is right, you start taking away some of those scaffolding pieces and a brand new thing emerges. That's what's 
happening. And by the way, just a plug, we have our next interest meeting for Saints Church Highlands on June 25th in two weeks from now on a Sunday night, 6.30 p.m. Uh, you got to pay for a barbecue today, but we got a free one at Saints Church Highlands uh, on, on the 25th at 6.30 and really all that is, we're going to have a service. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the plan and the vision of what's going to happen there. And, and if you feel like, hey, I want to be a part of launching something, then Kevin and Melissa are going to go stand by the Connection Center after service today. And you're going to go say, hi, I'm interested in being a part of this. And you're like, well, how does this exactly work? Pastor, here's my question. Who is going to pastor Highlands? Well, we're going to take it one step at a time. Our teaching team is going to fill in uh, in the preaching realm, it's a Sunday night service, so we're able to rotate our team through there. Kevin and Melissa are going to be our point people, and they're going to lead the charge. And Desiree and I and, and Brandy and Jeremy and Pastor Seven Haley and the Saints family pastoral team will help get care established as, as the church begins to get established. So why is this important? Why are you sharing this? Well, this is actually a defining moment for us as a church. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. I love hearing the rustling of the pages of a Bible on a Sunday morning. It takes me back. In Acts chapter 13, there's this meeting of the church leaders at a place called Antioch. And it's a bit of a prayer meeting. Those fivefold ministry gifts that are found in Ephesians 4 are gathered here and they're praying about the future of their church. It says, among the prophets and teachers... Of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, who's called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas. So that was like a wild transformation because you got a guy who grew up the best friend of a murderous king. So that's exciting. And Saul, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work I have to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So this is the way that, that they would establish new locations in the New Testament. They would gather together, they would pray, they would say, oh, it seems right to you, it seems right to us, we're going to pray, lay our hands on them and go. But here's the, the significant key. Uh, Saul, and, and who we would know as Paul, and Barnabas uh, were present at this meeting, and they were only at the church in Antioch for like a year. And they were amongst the brightest minds. Barnabas, his name means uh, an encourager. That's just who he is. He would encourage, and he'd build the church, and he'd stir them up. And Paul was an amazing teacher. And so they're in this prayer meeting, and God says, hey, I'm going to go do this new thing. I need you to send them out. Guess who they sent out? Guess who God sent out from their church? The very best. He sent the very best. They're only there for a year. It's like, God, why would you send Barnabas and Paul? Like, they're the best. Like, they're amazing. They're, our church has just grown. Like, why would you send the very best forward? Because when God wants to do something, he wants to do something new. We don't give, like, we don't give the worst. We give the best. So as a church family, we are deciding that as we start new locations, we lean into church planning and reaching new areas of the city that we bring and we give our best. But there's a process to this. Did you notice that in verse three, and I love this, this comes from a Bible teacher named Bill Scheidler. He said, there's a process to this. You notice they went right into more prayer and fasting right after they appointed those two guys. 
as if to say, God, is there any other way? <laughs> There's a process in the grieving, like we're going to lose part of our church family if they decide to go over there, or they decide to go over here, or they decide to go over there. Nah, we get to invest the best to reach a new area. There's a statistic that Village Church uh, released. They're in Vancouver. It's a Canadian statistic. It says this, 70% of all new decisions to follow Jesus happen in new churches. In our country, 70% of all new decisions to follow Jesus happen in new churches. So our question to us as a saint's family, Glastonbury, Glory Hills, online community, are we as a family part of that solution? We say, this is what's happening. How can we be a part of this in Canada? Let me tell you a little bit about how we can do this. Are you still tracking with me today? This is like more like a state of the union address, but it's okay. We'll, 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 I'll stand up and yell in a few minutes, okay? It's fine. We'll, we'll all feel like it's fine. As a church, we are going to have sons and we're going to have daughters, right? Just like in the natural, yeah, because this is a family. We're going to have sons, we're going to have daughters. When we have sons, uh, at churches that are sons, they're going to carry our name and they're going to carry our DNA. So they're going to be a called Saint Church. They're going to, Saint Church, insert geographical name here. That's how it's, that's, and it's going to look like us, feel like us. It's going to be awesome. It's going to carry our name. Highlands is very much a real example of that. But we also have daughters, we're going to plant daughters, start daughters. Daughters carry our DNA, but they have their own family name. Does that make sense? We, we understand this from, from real life. If you've had a daughter, you've given her away, God bless you. I I'm, I'm, can't imagine being a girl dad. Real world examples. Do we have a real world example of this? Yeah. Before Glassbury and Glory Hills came together, there was... Engage out at Spruce Grove, which is what Glory Hills used to be called. And from Engage, there came a church called Kingdom Church, which is a daughter church, which was planted in St. Albert Lake five years ago. And that's pastored by amazing pastors named Chris, uh, Harrison and Christy Chaka. And they're doing an incredible job. In fact, people organically from before with any of this came together, people organically from what was Weka and from engaging from other places, actually kind of gravitated towards there. And now in, in, uh, just up on the north side of uh, St. Albert, northeast, I guess, by the service center, they meet up there. They've got an incredible building. And when you go in there, it's crazy for me. It's like stepping in a time warp. I go there and I can feel like what our church felt like when we planted it in year five. It's crazy because they, they carry our DNA and it just feels the same. It's like when you can go to another family member's house and it just kind of feels like home. It's that same thing. So we've got Kingdom Church and they're, they're a daughter. And then we've got cousins. Did you know we have cousins? Which also means there's got to be a few crazy uncles in the mix, right? <laughs> we've got cousins. So there's churches that, that Desiree and I provide uh, what is called apostolic oversight for, which means that we are there to coach them, guide them, uh, be overseers for their, their church. We're there to, to serve and support their church primarily for, through supporting and serving their senior pastors. And that happens in a number of churches across Canada. And so we've got cousins in Calgary at Love City Church. That's where I was last week with Pastors Ryan and Stephanie Iverson. Cousins in Hamilton and Kitchener, Ontario with Legacy Church with Pastors Matt and Rachel Sutherworth. We've got cousins out on the Vancouver 
Vancouver Island. If you're ever on Vancouver Island, you're like, I need to go to church. You go up to Duncan, BC. You go to Oasis City Church with pastors Brandon and Lindsay Wall. And then here in the city, we've got People's Church with Pastor Lawrence and Iris Hippelheiser. On top of that, so that's our cousin. Then on top of that, we're coaching, and this is now our cousins, right? An extended family, a retro church with Pastor Mike on Long Island, New York, which is crazy, and a church called Ilia Plus in Saguenay, Quebec. So if you're like, wow, our family, we're just, it's just here though, right? No, no, no. We have a diverse family. That's not to mention that Glastonbury is connected to the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada and Glory Hills is connected to Ministers Network Canada, both of which have over a thousand churches across the country. I think that's probably where the crazy uncles and aunts come in. But that's the extended family in Canada, but we're not limited to Canada because we've got missions. So what started out of Glory Hills with a connection with, uh, with Slovenia, Izvir Church, which just means springs or uh, springs of new life, is pastors Luca and Cassandra in Petui, Slovenia. And so now we as Glastonbury are going, hey, we're going to send a team from here too to go support what they're doing there. And that's not to mention Zach and Raquel Neufeld, who are, Zach grew up here, literally here, and is now serving in a country that I cannot mention uh, for his own safety. But I'm sharing this because I'm hoping that we could get a glimpse of what the Saints family looks like. That the Saints family is, is, is strong and it's growing here in the region, but really we have a, a goal to not only reach our city, to not only reach our region here, but to reach the nation. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. We all share the same spirit. I believe it's a, it's a new era in the body of Christ. Glory Hills, which is affiliated with Ministers Network Canada, bought a Christian Reformed church. That's crazy. Highlands and the Saints family is gonna meet in a Baptist church. And the pastor there is Baptocostal. I'm having lunch with him tomorrow. And he's been praying for renewal and revival in their church. And he sees this as a part of that. That's an incredible spirit that says we're breaking, the walls are coming down across the body of Christ. We are truly one body. You could say it like this, saints family, we are called for such a time as this. And it's good to know that we are not alone and that our family and our reach is broad. So what does that mean for us going forward? It means for us as a family, we're gonna have babies. We're gonna plant churches. We're gonna send people out. And guess what? We're gonna give our best. And you go, strategically, I don't know if it makes sense. It doesn't have to make sense to us naturally if it makes sense to us spiritually, if it's in line with the word of God. This is 2 Corinthians 9. Are you, do we still have a pulse in the room here at Glassbury? We okay? Glory Hills, I know you're alive. Yeah, come on. Saints Corinthians 9, well, 2 Corinthians 9. I said Saints Corinthians 9. That's not right. 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide, uh, each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So the scriptures say they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. 
We understand this about money. We actually have to also understand this about people. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. In the, in the heart of our saints' family, we decide that, God, we will go anywhere and do anything that you have called us to. In other words, this is our vision statement in case you don't know what it is. We go places no one wants to go and do things no one thought possible so that anyone and everyone can experience the hope and life that's found in Jesus. That's what we're called to. Now, thinking about those who so, so generously will reap generously, look at this in Proverbs eleven twenty four to 25. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I love the way that Eugene Peterson wrapped this up. He says, the one who blesses other is, others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. So I just laid out to you a little bit about the family structure, our vision. Now I want to just speak for the next two minutes about our action, because we're all in this together. We, all, we get to be a part of this. On Sunday, June 25th, we're doing something called the Heart for the House offering. We're actually doing it at both locations. Glory Hills, you know this is a thing you've done for a long time. You know all about this for us here at Glastonbury. This is a new tradition. We believe in tithes and offerings and giving, and Pastor Brendan did a great job sharing about giving today. And when we tithe, we're giving back what he has already given us. But when we give an offering, what we're talking about is giving over and above to build his house and to propel us forward. So when we are thinking about this offering that's coming up on June 25th, it's like, what, what is this all about? Is this about accomplishing something specific? No, first of all, it's, it's, it's not about a number and it's not about a campaign. It's about our hearts. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So as we prepare to give and to invest in this action step of accomplishing the vision of the house over and above a sacrificial offering, all we have to do is simply ask Jesus, Lord, what would you have me and my family give and invest in this season? At Glory Hills, we've, you're looking to finish the building. There's some AC you know, I'm thankful we got AC here at Glastonbury, but you need some AC uh, and HVAC installed. You got to finish the building, finish the project. That's what we're giving towards it. Glastonbury, we're giving to propel us forward in our vision and to launch us in our next fiscal year from a position of strength. But also, I don't know if you've looked around, but phase one here that you're sitting in, it's kind of showing his age a little bit. <laughs> and we're going to need to, while Glory Hills is looking to finish the building, we're looking to start to refresh the building. And here's the bottom line. I can and I will teach you about generosity. But when you give, the Lord will begin to teach you about generosity. Here's what happens when you give. You got time for two quick things? Doesn't matter, I'm gonna keep talking. Here we go. Here's what happens when you give. Here's what happens when we give, especially in an over and above way. First thing that it does is it stretches our faith. When we give, it stretches our faith. Verse seven, it says, we must each decide in your own heart how much to give. I love this from Pastor Rick Warren. He says, I have never given by reason, I give by revelation. So as we come up to June 25th and we say, it's heart for the house offering. Where my treasure is, that's, this is the words of Jesus in Matthew six, that's where my heart is. Where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. I'm gonna make an investment into what God is doing. As we do that, it begins to stretch our faith because we ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me give? Lord, how much of my heart would you like me to lay out here? What would you want me to invest? 
It begins to stretch our faith because it's exactly that. It's a step of faith. It's a step of faith. Now, just pro tip. Please don't give on your credit card and say that's a gift of faith. Visa just gave you a gift of faith. If you can pay it off and you want to get the points, it's fine. But we don't use credit to give, especially in a sacrificial manner. We give from what we have, okay? Just, just a pro tip there. Number two, second thought. Here's what happens when we give. We learn to give like a farmer. Give like a farmer. You're like, give like a farmer. A farmer goes and sows seeds. In 2 Corinthians 9, in the New King James Version, verse 6, it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's a beautiful thing. You sow a lot, you will reap a lot in every area of your life. It's a promise. But when we give like a farmer, we sow the seed with expectation and purpose, right? When a farmer sows a seed, they don't just th th like throw the seed in the field and they go, you know what? I'm planting uh, a crop of grain, but if I got pineapples, that would be awesome, right? They know what they're planting, they know what they're investing in, and they know the, the harvest they're gonna reap. Now here's a spiritual principle. When we give and when we give from a heart, we ask the Lord how we're supposed to give. We give with expectation. God, we, we give and we believe that the vision and the dreams and the purposes that you have for us as a church are gonna be fulfilled. We believe that as a part of this church family, that as we give and as we invest, that not only are you gonna bless our church family, but in your family structure, you talk about us as an individual, that I'm gonna grow and I'm gonna be fulfilled. I'm gonna get new opportunities to serve. And Lord, I'm gonna get new opportunities to grow in my faith that as I sow, as, as I believe, I'm gonna believe that there's gonna be an incredible outcome. We have an expectation and a purpose. And then what do we do? We tend the field, right? What does a farmer do? They tend the field. They make sure that there's the, the proper amount of, of fertilizer and rain and all those kinds of things. They do what they gotta do to make sure that that crop is gonna grow. And I think that's the most beautiful part. When we give, it doesn't stop with our giving. We start to tend the field. We serve in the church. We invite people. We, we share the hope of Jesus. We, we, we share this same hope that transformed our lives. We begin to say, I'm gonna take one of those black cards. I'm gonna save you a seat cards. I'm gonna give that to somebody at work. I'm gonna invite them to come and sit with me. But here's what's beautiful. In the midst of all of our church family and we get to reach souls and see lives changed through new locations, God's given us an opportunity to bless our city and our region through a little something we call city serve. Guys, city serve is unbelievable. Right now, right now, we have 32 charitable partners that have signed up. 32 organizations, churches, ministries, uh, people serving the homeless community, the most vulnerable, all kinds of spheres of the most vulnerable. 22 have already at least received their first delivery and their first shipment. And the supply just keeps coming in. The warehouse is, seems to be always full and we're doing everything we can to get it out. If you don't know what city service, we get overstock from retailers, primarily Amazon, and we distribute those goods to charitable partners across the entire Edmonton region, out, outside the city, in the city, Fort Saskatchewan, Spruce everywhere. And we distribute it to those people that they can take care of the most vulnerable and where they are, that they can have the things that they need. If they don't have to spend the money on those things, they can spend the money on reaching more people. God has given us an opportunity to bless our city. So let me just give you a few points 
like there's more? Yeah, there's more. When you give, give from your heart. When you give, ask the Lord how much you should give. When you give, give with intention that we would reach our city and that we would reach our nation. Give to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. If you're a tither, you already have a baseline of your giving. You ask the Lord, how much over and above am I supposed to give? If you don't give, this is a great time to start. Don't come up with a number. Ask Jesus, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me do as we approach June 25th, Heart for the House? This is very practical. This is like taking care of family business today. But here's what I believe. The word of the Lord does not return void. What does that mean? It means that when the word of God is shared, something always happens. This is where I stand up. In this room today, in that room at Glory Hills, online today, there are people that are watching and participating in this service that are starting to feel stirred. And they're not just starting to feel stirred about an offering or about giving. They're feeling stirred in those ways, but they're starting to feel stirred about something else. They're starting to feel stirred. It might be you. I might be speaking to you in this room right now or through that camera right now that says, I'm feeling stirred that I need to get involved, that I need to be a part of what God is doing. I'm feeling stirred to get involved in ministry. And you've been afraid about getting involved in ministry because you thought it looks like doing what I'm doing. But you got to realize every one of us are called to be a minister. Every one of us are called to reach exactly where we are. We're called to live, to serve, to, to reach people with the hope and life that's found in Jesus. There's a stirring in your heart and in your bones, not because we're talking about a structure, but because Jesus is calling something out of you that says, I get to be a part of this. There must be more than this. And there is. If we as a church family would rise and say, we're all in this together. We're here to reach this city. We're here to reach this region. We're here to reach this country. You said, I just thought I was coming to church for me. No, we're coming to church to reach this region with the power and life that's only found in Jesus because he still heals, he still saves, he still delivers, he still has the power to break every chain. He still has the power to bring the dead back to life. We have friends in BC right now that are praying in their church, a precious young man, a little boy was swimming in a lake and he drowned in the lake and they pulled him up and they were able to get him. He wasn't, he wasn't quite gone, so they got him to the hospital. And their church and churches and and Christians and believers across the planet have been praying. His name's Azariah. They've been praying for him day by day. And can I tell you what? In what looked like a foregone conclusion, a foregone situation, there's new life coming into him right now. Every day he's hitting milestones that are exceeding medical expectations. The same power that conquered the grave now lives in me. I'm gonna pass it over to Pastor Jeremy and Glory Hills in a moment. Three things. You might be sitting in this room today. And when we start to worship, if you're in any one of these categories, I want you to get up out of your seat and come down to the front. You're like, I don't wanna do that. It's okay, the Lord wants you to, it'll be fine. There's people in this room today that I believe that are feeling a call to full-time vocational ministry, to being a pastor on staff or to, to serving in a local church in some capacity. If you feel that call today, and maybe it's for the first time, I want you to come down because God is speaking to you and he's calling you up and he's calling you out for such a time as this. Second thing, you might be in this room and you might feel a call in your heart to serve globally as a missionary. 
and you might not know where you're supposed to go. You just know that there's just something inside of you that's welling up that says, wow, I think I gotta go. I think I gotta go. I think God's calling me to something different. If that's you, when we start to worship, would you just come down to the front? Third thing, you're feeling that stir and you're just feeling that stir to say, God, how can I do more to reach more? My friends, you're called to minister exactly where you are. He put you in that job, in that place, in that office, in that school, in that neighborhood for this moment right here. But if you feel that renewed sense of purpose, I wanna invite you to get up out of your seat and say, I'm stepping forward into what God has for me. I'm gonna pass it to Pastor Jeremy and the team at Glory Hills here at Glastonbury. We're gonna stand to our feet right now and we're gonna lift up the name of Jesus in worship. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.